Welcome to a very special and overdue episode of Around the League, where I'm being graciously joined by, via Zoom by my good friend and co-host, Tuan Do. We got a lot of good stuff to cover today, primarily with regards to the announcement that Vince Carter made on June 25th, that he was officially retiring and walking away from the game of basketball. But before we do, we got to check in with the man who is now missing two wisdom teeth. What up, Tuan? <laughs> Not much, man. Yeah, I'm... A little, still a little numb from, from the surgery, but everything's good, man. Everything's good. What's going on with you? Not much. Chilling at the doctor's office. Just finished a day of work. Uh, what have you been up to, man? I haven't talked to you in, a, in about two weeks now. You've been camping. You've been all over the place. Yeah, man. Uh, two weekends ago, I lost my phone kayaking in the Grand River. So that was like a $1,000 phone just stuck six feet in the in the Grand River right now. I don't know where it is, and I still haven't got a new phone yet, so it hasn't been too bad, actually. I've liked not having my phone on me and checking all the apps and whatnot, so I'm going to try to keep it that, that way for now and see if I can find like a cheap option of getting a new phone. And uh, yeah, I went camping last weekend with the, uh, with the parents and, and the family. Went up to Goderich, spent two nights up there by um, Falls Reserve, uh, conservation area, which is really nice. I would suggest uh, the boys do a a little trip together up there sometime before the summer ends, uh, maybe a night or two, and just uh, enjoy some fishing, enjoy the the beach, and and whatnot. What about you, man? How how was your Canada Day weekend and um, everything else? Canada Day was good. Uh, took the day off. We golfed in Ancaster, like we were just talking about before we started recording over at Mystic. Super hard course, but a lot of fun. Came back to a buddy's house, had a barbecue. Uh, no, it was a good time, but I was actually trying to text you a ton, and you, I thought you were icing me. So <laughs> I was like, Dayon, man, what the, what the hell is going on with Tuan? And he's like, oh, you got a new phone and sent me your new digits. It's good to see you with, a, with an iPhone finally. Yeah, no, I'm going to get rid of that. That's my work phone. Definitely going to look for a better Android phone in the next few days, but uh, yeah, no, I, I, I try to message you guys through through Insta, but I know some of you guys aren't aren't on there anymore, so uh, it was tough to get a hold of all of you guys. Hey, let's let's jump into things. Um, before we talk about before we talk about our topic of discussion, Vince Carter retiring. Uh, there's some news going on in the NBA right now. We had a couple. We had a podcast a couple weeks ago where we were talking about the NBA resuming, and since then, like. My pessimism with the NBA returning has never been higher. You know, <laughs> Florida's a COVID hotbed of America. And despite that, people are refusing to wear masks. And all the while, the NBA is supposed to resume in like two weeks. Uh, but despite all this pessimism, our boys, Toronto Raptors, they're in Fort Myers now. They've been there for two weeks. And they're making this COVID protocol look like a breeze. So, Tuan... What are your thoughts with with what's going on with our with our Raptors? Yeah, man, I'm I'm the I'm the one who's overly optimistic, but I'm I'm slowly getting on, onto your side. It doesn't look too good, man. All these players are coming out testing positive. The Milwaukee Bucks shutting down their practice facility. I think another team did as well. So I don't know. I'm just hoping that I, I think they're starting to. Um, get into their facilities and I think Orlando was the first team outside of the Raptors to uh, travel 
to their location. So I think teams will slowly uh, start selling in. But who knows? I am I'm still optimistic, but I could see something happening and there there'd be like an outburst or um, just, you know, something going on and uh, just it could yeah just pause and sus- uh, be suspended. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm so optimistic, but we'll see. We'll see. But the Raptors, I mean, they've been there for two weeks now. Zero positive tests. Um, the the pictures on Instagram that the organization is sending out of Boucher with 10 ex- 15 extra pounds on him. <laughs> Lowry's looking trim. Gasol's looking like a Greek god. Yes. Uh, Siakam the, with the Dureg. Like Siakam with the Dureg. And, and it looks like things are going really smooth down, down, down there. And they're just abiding by the protocols. They're abiding by the rules and the NBA... Um, made like a what 110 page itinerary on on behavior once you're in the bubble so I mean things could I, I think t- once teams actually get themselves in the bubble then that could be that could be a safe haven yeah I know Damon and Lillard said like there's no way these guys are gonna follow any uh, rules and regulations so there could just be an outbreak um, in the middle of this this playoffs or the you know, the, this, uh, closing of the regular season. So who knows, man, who knows? We, uh, just wait and see, but you know, just hoping for the best and fingers crossed. Yeah. Because like we were just saying, I've been super pessimistic, especially when reading the news and seeing what the climate's like in Florida of all places. Um, but then you just see the Raptors gearing up towards it and you start seeing pictures and video footage and it, it feels like real life. And it just—it's just getting me super excited. I really hope that they can pull this one off. Yeah, they—they they are definitely going to have the advantage, just being accustomed to playing on a neutral site. And even Nick Nurse and, and the players were saying in the virtual interviews with some of the media, saying that you know everyone's looking really good. Again, with Marcus All looking slim—not the only slim duck on the team—and yeah, Boucher adding those adding those pounds and. Um, you know, Lowry, Siakam, OG, all those guys are ready to go. So I'm excited. I I hope it, you know, the play resumes and it does look like the Raptors will have a bit of a, an advantage just with the earlier start than everyone else. And uh, yeah, we'll see. I just like our group of guys. Like there's no one on our team that makes me very nervous. And what Except I mean by nervous is there's Preston no one McCall. on our team that I could see like disobeying curfew going to the club, bringing anyone back. I feel like our guys out of, you know, a lot of people in the league, a lot of players in the league, I feel very comfortable with our squad. I don't know, man. I, I remember seeing Chris Boucher grocery shopping at like Metro or whatever during the quarantine. <laughs> so uh, he's, he's, he's someone to watch out for. True. You got to watch out for this slim duck. <laughs> All right, man. Well, yeah, last Thursday. Uh, June 25th, Vince Carter announced on his Winging It podcast that after, what, 22, 24 seasons in the league, he was stepping away from the game for good. Uh, If you haven't listened to that podcast, I highly recommend you do. But Tuan, this is bittersweet for a Raptor fan because Vince Carter's seven seasons in in a Toronto uniform were uh, special both on and off the court. So when you heard about this, briefly tell me, like, what came to mind? Well, I, even before he made the official, like the official retirement announcement, it was already kind of assumed that with the Atlanta Hawks 
not um, kind of out of the playoff picture that he would retire. And I know they're they're thinking of doing another like second bubble for those eight teams, which again Vince won't probably won't play in, but there still could be a chance that he plays. But um, yeah, of course, just uh, thinking about his time with the Raptors, and you know, it's funny to see where his career started and kind of you know all the injuries that he, that he uh, endured and all the scrutiny that he had to face with the media and sitting out and saying that he's not dunking and then watching this guy play 22 full years in the NBA first player to do that first player to play in four different decades and just kind of cementing his uh, legacy is not only a huge influence for Canadian basketball, but, you know, he's going to go down as, as a Hall of Famer and, you know, one of the more iconic players um, in regards to his dunks, um, his, like, pure athleticism, athleticism and his uh, comparisons to Michael Jordan. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's such a crazy feeling to reflect on his career uh, because I kind of find it bizarre. Like, on one hand, you could have seen a world where he finished his career in one jersey with the same team, like Kobe or MJ. And you could see a world where the main argument is not whether he's a Hall of Famer, but whether he's on the top of Mount Rushmore with some of the greats. You know what I mean? Like, you could have seen that trajectory for his career, um, witnessing it for the first three years in his in his Toronto days. Uh, but it didn't work that way for him. And as a Raptor fan, I feel like we witnessed the highs and the lows firsthand. Uh, the highs were super special. Like there was literally no one more captivating, no one more electrifying than Vince Carter. And he was suspenseful night in and night out. Um, so yeah, like what are what are some of the what are some of the special memories you have of him growing up as a kid? Um, I think the first thing that comes to mind was the slam dunk competition. And I think that was the, the the moment or the event that really drew me into basketball as a as a young kid. I think I was ten years old at that time, and you know I was very active, uh, participated in a lot of sports. You know I was out playing baseball, basketball, soccer, whatever I can get my hands on, and watching that slam dunk competition that VC T Mac. Um, and a few other younger guys participating in, and him just kind of blowing the, the roof off Oracle was definitely memorable. And him just kind of putting Toronto uh, on the map at that time as a, as a young franchise, being only five years old, uh, no playoff success. And he was a second-year player. He had a great uh, rookie campaign, and he just came in and put on a show for, for the entire league. So he definitely put us on the map. Uh, and he, for myself, just... Um, that was the, the moment in time that I actually became a fan of not only the game of basketball, but uh, a lifelong fan of the Toronto Raptors. Yeah, definitely. And like you, he's the, he's the reason I got into basketball. He's the reason I fell in love with basketball. And like I said earlier, watching him play every night, you never knew what you were going to get. And for the younger generation, like I really wish that he was around in the viral era because he would have been on Bleacher Report every single night he was on the floor for something that he did because he was that electrifying, that entertaining. 
And I, I always advise anyone who isn't familiar with Vince or didn't get to grow up in the generation of watching him, just watch the 100 best Vince Carter dunks on YouTube. And that just sort of sums up what he was capable of bringing night in and night out. Um, so yeah, I definitely agree with you there. He turned a hockey town into a basketball city. And, you know, after all that, I just sometimes wonder if we have a special spot for him in our hearts because of the fact that we were right there witnessing his greatness. Because when you give his career a bird's eye view, like it's definitely impressive, you know, 22 seasons. But I mean, eight-time All-Star, two-time All-NBA, 99 Rookie of the Year, 1999 Rookie of the Year, and he played for eight different teams. So I mean, when you give his career a bird's eye view, like I sometimes wonder to myself if we sort of put him at a higher regard because of the fact that he was so impactful in our lives. Um, because looking at his career on paper, I mean, you know, Chris Bosh was an all-star 11 times. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and you wonder, like, is he going to be a Hall of Famer? Is he going to garner the respect that we give him um, around the league? Yeah, I think, um, yeah, he, I, he definitely peaked in the, like, the first quarter of his career. Um, playing what the the seven years for the Raptors, and then he had a few good years with the Nets. But the thing with Vince was he wasn't just a just just wasn't a dunker. He was legit a, a prolific scorer, and he was clutch. He was clutch when he was with the Raptors. He was clutch when he was with the Nets, uh, being the the primary scorer for for both teams. And I think you forget when this guy entered the league, he was. I think in his second year, he was like 26, 5 and 5. And again, he was so explosive, so electric. And I would compare him to, you know, a, the, the guard version of Zion Williamson. Because every, every game, he'd either hit a game winner, do a spectacular, you know, 360 layup, or like a windmill dunk. And that was just, it looked, it looked so easy for him. You know, when like Zion goes up, you know, does a 360 or... Uh, does a windmill. It just looks so simple and looks so easy for him. Whereas Vince was the same thing. It's just naturally gifted. Um, his game looks so nice. It's like there, there, there was a lot of reasons why his compa- he was compared to um, MJ, especially going to North Carolina, having that like beautiful game. His jumper was like really like you know spectacular, and he just had the whole package. And it's unfortunate that. The Raptors were never able to really put a solid team around him. I would say his the second best player that he ever played with was probably Antonio Davis. Um, so if had they had a second uh, fiddle there or just a better team structured around him, um, he may have been you know a Raptor for life. He could have had a, a career like Kobe, but he just never had that. I guess that that work ethic. Um, and he got injured early on in his career, and I don't think he really understood the work that needed to be get done to get back to the level that he was able to play at for those four, five, six years with the Raptors. Um, but, you know, I'm happy for him that he's able to, uh, you know, have this great 22-year career. And he's definitely um, impacted a lot of the young kids. Even watching Terrence Davis or, or sorry, not Terrence Davis, um, Terrence Ross, Donovan Mitchell, those guys who were part of the the later dunk competitions and them wearing his jersey at the dunk competition. You know, even for a guy like Donovan Mitchell who plays for another team that 
you know, you never see that ever unless, you know, it's like Dominique, Will, Dominique Wilkins jersey or something like that. You never see that. So he has that cultural impact. Um, and, yeah, I think his the first few years of his career were definitely the peaks. But um, it's, you know, a telling sign that this guy was able to play 22 full years in the NBA. And that's, you know, a, a great achievement. Yeah, I mean, it was the perfect storm of events towards the end of his uh, Toronto career because, I mean, he signed a pretty extensive contract immediately after the Philadelphia series. And we haven't even talked about that yet. I mean, that Philadelphia series where he was battling with Iverson, they were both exchanging 30, 40, 50 point games. That was an iconic playoff series. And if you go back and watch some of that footage, um, he put out, every single night except for the one night that we'll talk about in a bit but I mean there was a game where he started with nine threes in a row and he was just bawling out of his mind and Iverson had that had the MVP year that year and to see them go at it and to see that series come down to one shot um, that was such a special special moment for the franchise and his career but on top of that you know shortly after that season he gets injured Management changes, Rob Babcock comes into the mix, and he just didn't have that organizational support and solidarity that he would have had, say, now with Masai Ujiri and just how rock solid our franchise currently is. So for him, like at the time, I was so devastated, so heartbroken that he was starting to sort of, I mean, for lack of a better word, he was starting to like bitch out on us. Um, He was starting to act up. He was starting to pout. And he drove himself out of the out of the Raptors organization, and we got nothing in return because he made it very known to the rest of the league that he wanted out. Um, but it was a perfect storm, you know. It was just a, a blend of bad events. And when I when I think back on it, you know, you can't blame the guy for leaving at the time. Yeah, he definitely left a sour taste in everyone's mouths um, when he left. Him really demand, demanding a trade through the media. And then his teammates calling him out for the fake injuries. And then again, like you mentioned, us ha- like hiring Rob Babcock, him picking Hoffa over Andre Iguodala, or even even the Bosch pick where they could have had Dwayne Wade. So just those small moves that you know having either Iggy or Dwayne Wade play next to VC, helping out helping him out as another ball handler or just another primary scorer. Um, on the court there definitely would have uh, made things a little easier for him. I felt like he had a lot uh, to carry on, on his back in terms of on an offensive uh, end there, and it just didn't work out. And again, I think some of his injuries may um, be related to that. But again, he yeah we got real we got trash for him. That's considered one of the the worst trades of all time when when you trade a prime VC for. Alonzo Mourning, who never reported to the team. Uh, you got Jory Graham out of the draft picks. And Aaron and Eric Williams, who, again, were bench warmers on the Nets. And we never got anything out of that trade. So it was basically just giving this guy away to a divisional rival who had Jason Kidd, who had uh, Richard Jefferson. So we really traded him away to a competitor that was going to be ahead of us for the next three, four years. So overall, that was one of the worst trades of all time. And, you know, we luckily have recovered from that, but it took us a very, very long time to to kind of get out of that uh, out of that funk. And what didn't help, too, was immediately after we traded him, 
um, he dunked on Alonzo on Alonzo Mourning. <laughs> and as a Raptor fan, you watched him for three consecutive years after the trade light us up whenever he came to the ACC and have some of his best years in a in a New Jersey Nets uniform. Yeah, this guy averaged, uh, I believe it was like 27, 6, and 4 uh, his first full year with New Jersey. So that was the potential that he already had. We knew he had it uh, right off the bat when he played with us uh, in his rookie season. Um, but yeah, he just was a disgruntled player that I'm not sure if it was, the, you know, the uh, being in Toronto, being in the cold, having to deal with customs, all the, you know, all the bullshit that comes with um, the media and trying to like tear down whatever Toronto has. So uh, I'm not sure if that got to his head. I know his mom was a big factor in things, dealing with the parking lot. And I know we're going to talk about like, the graduation and whatnot. So as good of a, of a player he was and as exciting as he was, there was a lot of baggage that came with Vince. And um, that was one of the, the things that left a sour taste in my mouth. But, you know, as the years go, have gone on, as he's returned uh, to, you know, Air Canada Center or Scotiabank Arena uh, with other teams, you know, you slowly remember all the good times and remember all the, the, the big impact that he's had on not only Toronto basketball, but Canadian basketball as well. Yeah, no doubt. And I think one of my, one of my biggest what-ifs with Vince Carter is twofold. One, what if they drafted Dwayne Wade? Um, I think that as a duo, especially two wings that sort of had similar ways of playing, they would have been dynamite playing together. It would have been a better version of uh, Vince and T-Mac had that happened, potentially. Uh, but my other what if is graduation. You know, I'm not saying that if he didn't go to graduation in Game 7, he would have hit that last shot, because who knows if it would have come down to that last shot. But he started the game flat, you know, missing his first five or six baskets of the game. Uh, team was definitely disgruntled about him going, but didn't want to voice it publicly. And he just didn't look the same because now with sports science, we know when you go on a plane and come back, you're dehydrated, things like that. And it's probably not the best thing to do before one of the biggest games of your life. Yeah, it definitely took him out of his routine and he did have a slow start. I know he played a little better and AI didn't have a great game either. I think um, the two leading scorers for that game was Antonio Davis and Aaron McKee, which sounds terrible when you are depending on these on these guys to come out and perform at a game uh, at a game seven um, in the Eastern Conference Semifinals. And really, the winner of that game goes goes past the Bucks, and they have a, a matchup with the Lakers. And again, it's. Within the NBA, within the playoffs, it really boils down to matchup. You know, you could you could be like the Golden State Warriors from from years past, where they played the Dallas Mavericks, who were sixty-seven and fifteen, and it just happens to, you know, they just happen to have Don Nelson as their coach. They just played a different speed, they played a different style, and they beat them four-two, beating a you know, as being as being a you know borderline playoff team so a lot of that comes down to matchup and you never know what what would have happened if the Raptors played the Lakers because obviously Shaq and Kobe are two different you know specimens and two different type of players but we also have VC we have a great defensive team and uh, we have Lenny Wilkins again another all-time coach 
who, you know, was meant to be in the playoffs. And, you know, too bad that shot didn't go in. And you can speculate and you can assume what would have happened, uh, but it didn't go in. And unfortunately, that's something that VC will, you know, have to live with. But again, his parents were all um, teachers. I believe his entire family uh, were all scholars and educators. So he made that promise to his mom uh, before he got drafted and, you know, something that he had to fulfill. So, you know, I can't get mad at him for that. But as a fan, I wish he didn't. But, you know, um, they were greener pastures for the Raptors um, later on. But, yeah, I'm not, not, not upset. But, you know, it would have been nice if uh, he was able to hit that shot and just kind of silent all the critics. Yeah, I mean, we've moved on to greener pastures, like you've said. And, you know, it's just so it's so funny reminiscing on his career because um, the highs were so high. Some of the best some of the best childhood memories were uh, associated with him and the lows were really low. I mean, I felt so betrayed when he left and it's kind of like breaking up with with a girlfriend for the first time. You know, it was devastating. But um, regardless, I mean, um there was a point where you would have thought he was he'd be in people's top five and he'd be debated about today, but didn't work like that for him. And regardless, he's made the most out of it, and you got to admire his longevity. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, I remember we had a conversation a few years back, like it was our group of friends, and for whatever reason, I just had it in my mind that Vince Carter had a better career than Vin, or than T Mac. This was probably like two, three years ago. I'm like, no fucking way, T-Mac. Like, I understand, like, the accolades and whatnot, but, like, no way. Like, T-Mac did not have, like, more All-NBA teams, not more, like, All-Star game uh, appearances and whatnot. But then when we look back at things, like, T-Mac had a substantially better career than VC. If you look at, like, all the All-NBA teams he's been on, all the scoring titles he's been on, both of them never had much success in the playoffs. I know VC only made uh, the Eastern Conference Finals once with Orlando when they lost to KG and that squad when he was with Dwight Howard and Jameer Nelson and those guys. Uh, but he never made it past the second round more than once. Again, we all know T-Mac's story, never really making it past their first round until he was with um, the Spurs that one year. So really a comparison play, uh, in the playoffs isn't really... Um, it's not really relevant there, but um, I was always under the assumption that VC was like head and shoulders a better player. But um, T Mac T Mac had a better career at, uh, when it's when it's all said and done. And see, that's why his career is so fascinating to me. It's because if you're going to make a case for his Hall of Fame eligibility, I mean, you could look at his stats, numbers, achievements on paper, and they're not really going to jump out at you. But I don't know. Wouldn't you say that his impact on Canada basketball? should be considered when uh, evaluating his Hall of Fame eligibility. Like, you know, I don't mm -hmm. think we have generations of players coming through to the NBA without Vince Carter's impact on Canada as a whole. Don't you think? I think he has such a big cultural impact on Canadian basketball and the growth of basketball within like the greater Toronto, Vancouver, and Montreal area that it, it's definitely like we can definitely feel it personally. And... I feel like there's been two major waves of Canadian basketball like players um, since Vince has been in the league, right? So when Vince started out in the league, the only few players that I could um, look up to or relate to were like Steve Nash, Rick Fox, 
Todd McCullough. You know, those are like the kind of Canadian guys that were around and that were uh, in, in the spotlight. And then VC, VC came in and then the first wave of players like Corey Joseph, uh, Tristan Thompson, uh, Kelly Olenek, uh, Anthony, Anthony, or, uh, uh, Anthony Bennett, Andrew Wiggins, those guys. And now we have a second wave of guys like Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Jamal Murray, RJ Barrett, um, Dylan Brooks, Brandon Clark. So I think all those guys, man, even when you interview them, um, they they say a, a, their interest and their love for basketball came because of the Raptors and because of Vince Carter and because of the slam dunk competition and then their first round playoff matchups against the New York Knicks and then their battles against the Philadelphia 76ers. So again, his his stats and I guess his All Star appearances and All NBA whatever. I think that's all secondary now when you think about just the growth of basketball now and now we have. Um, you know, a championship next to our franchise's uh, name. And that's going to be another wave of players based off of the success of the Raptors from Kawhi Leonard, from, you know, Kyle Lowry. Even though they're Canadian, they, they represent our team. They represent our country. They represent our, our city and our town. And uh, those guys will be the next wave of players that make a cultural impact on Canadian basketball and basketball within Toronto, with basketball within kitchener Waterloo. And you could see, like, even for ourselves, when playing when we played high school basketball, um, we saw that those guys, you know, they made they made that jump when, you know, playing down in the states or playing AAU or playing prep was never really a thing until Vince Carter made an appearance and until those guys in the grassroots pro- grassroots programs um, made a decision to to you know hold basketball camps and hold you know create basketball teams and. Tristan Thompson and Corey Joseph coming back to the GTA and creating their own AUU team. So that definitely hindsight and I think Vince was just the first domino effect um, into something that we're going to see uh, down the road in five, ten years when, you know, Canada's in the Olympics and battling for a gold medal or battling for whatever, right? So um, he's just like the first domino, but he was definitely the most impactful um, player and just had the biggest impact on just the jet overall growth of basketball in Canada. Yeah, Tuan, that was really well said. You know, when you're evaluating Vince Carter's career, you have to take into account the impact that he had on a whole country, Canada, and how it impacted Canada basketball till this day. Um, no, that was really well said. And, you know, Vince Carter, 22 years, what a career. Congratulations. Um, it was definitely a pleasure watching him play growing up. I'm glad we got to do so. Affected so many of us in a positive way. It's the reason why we got into basketball and, you know, one of the best decisions we made growing up. So, yeah, that's going to that's gonna be it for today's pod. We really appreciate everyone that's listening, everyone that's giving us support, and we really look forward to bringing fresh content once the NBA resumes, fingers crossed. Tuan, Anything you want to say before we head out? Yeah, for sure. No, a great reminiscing. Um, again, Vince Carter was my favorite player for a really long time. I can honestly say that Kyle Lowry is after so many years um, with the team. And, you know, both those guys are going to have their jerseys retired up in the rafters at Scotiabank uh, one day. And, you know, Vince Carter had such a uh, impactful presence on myself, like on my little brother, on, I know on you, on all of our friends who grew up playing basketball. And, you know, the game has 
been able to bring us together and um you know i contribute a lot of that to to vince so he definitely has a um a soft spot for me and i'm just happy that he was able to end off his career with uh you know with 22 years behind him and uh just a you know a great resume uh to look back on no doubt thanks for everyone that's listening stay safe and you'll hear from us soon take care